Three quotes from very, very diverse sources. It is no measure of your health to be well-adjusted to a sick society. Krishnamurti. You can learn from all men, Pierre Kayavot tells us. Krishnamurti was some type of guru. He wasn't really a Hindu. He started out that way, but later in life just became a philosopher. But what he says right there, regardless of who he is, what he is, what he says is what's important. Viktor Frankl, it did not really matter what we expected from life, but rather what life expected from us. And from Lech Lecha, go forth, the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your land and from your birthplace and from your father's house to the land that I will show you. Read them yourself. They'll stay up there the whole time. Make your own connections and see if you can determine where I'm going. But in the meantime, I love to teach. I like to teach theology. I like to teach complicated and controversial things just because it makes us all think. But I also love philosophy. I love to teach about how to live a better life and who God has actually made you to be. And it's actually probably the thing I do better than teaching deep theological concepts, because that's the way my brain works. Philosophia. That means the love of wisdom. And life is about wisdom. That's what Torah is. Torah is wisdom. And Lech Lecha provides for us Genesis 12 provides a special opportunity for a few revelations that we need to spend some time learning about. Our comfort zones, our faith, and what it means to be called a disciple. But the big idea is that. Calling. What is calling? What is so marvelous and inspiring and difficult about Abraham's calling and what should we do with it? And the hint is, it's right there. Not the Torah, but the other two. And that's what I want to tell you today. Abraham had 10 trials, 10 tests, according to Jewish tradition. And the first one is right here in this Torah portion. Leave the familiar. Leave your home, your family, and your status, your your reputation, your birthplace, and go somewhere else. And by the way, you don't need to know where you're going, just go. And there's debate about whether or not Abraham actually did know or not. The consensus opinion is that he did not. Although his father had started to head toward Canaan, there's dispute. I like to think he didn't because that makes the story a lot better. But do we really need to discuss the the difficulty of that? No. Doug, Doug, did you hear God tell you to sell everything you own? Sell your house, pack it up on what you can get in that van, and head out and go somewhere. Just start hitting the road. He'll tell you the rest. Would you like to do that? If he says to. Okay, good answer. <laughs> we don't really need to discuss the difficulty of that in our Western materialistic world of just taking off and, and leaving everything because you heard. And I can imagine me going home and telling Kelly that. She is more spiritually discerning and has more faith than me, but I don't know how excited she would be about that. Sarai did really well. But beyond the obvious, there's something much, much deeper. 
And catch this, Aviva Zornberg, new commentary I'm reading, really have been loving it. For the first time with Abraham, or sorry, Abram, for the first time, a journey in the Torah is undertaken, not as an act of exile and diminution, Adam, Cain, the people at the Tower of Babel, all of which happened before Abram. For the first time, a journey is undertaken not as an act of exile, but as a response to a divine imperative that articulates and emphasizes displacement as a crucial experience. In other words, putting it in English, he chose this. Abram chose to do this. The others were forced out. He chose it. They chose it because Sarai is just as much a player as Abram is. They were one. They chose it. Why? Well, because God said, that's not good enough. In real practical life for most people, that's not good enough. And believe me, I've heard a lot of people tell me things about me that God told them about me that he didn't tell me that weren't true. I run usually from God told me things, not me directly, but when someone approaches me with that. And there's a great thing, by the way, side note, side note, quick. Here's the dilemma when you're working with a super spiritual person and having a conversation, and you know the conversations right away, because you walk up to them and they're starting to tell you about all this weird stuff that God's telling them, and God told me, God told me this. And then when they get to the really, con like the, the controversial thing or the thing about you, here's your, disarm, here's your disarm technique. They are saying to you, you know what, God told me what you should do, and this is it. My response, hmm, interesting. God told me too, and he told me the exact opposite of what you just told me. Who's right? Which God is right? And usually they walk away, and then you can have your um, cake and eat it too. I'm not a big fan of super spiritual. Am I being too transparent? Sorry. <laughs> listen, listen. He chose this. He chose this. It is no measure of your health to be well-adjusted to a sick society. First of all, God, the new plan for Avram and Sarai, no matter how good they could be, no matter how their perp, no, no matter what they could could do by staying there, their purpose would not be realized. And sometimes you cannot shine enough light. Sometimes your environment will extinguish your light if you don't remove yourself from it. Rashi says it this way, Lech lecha, you know what it is? Literally, go to you. Lech lecha, go to you, Rashi says, for your benefit and for your good, and there I will make you into a great nation. But here, you will not merit to have children. Yeshua says it like this, if the house is worthy, see that your blessing of peace comes upon it. But if it is not worthy, take back your blessing of peace. And whoever does not receive you or listen to your words as you leave the house, shake the dust off your feet. In other words, get out. And 
As hard as it is sometimes to read some of the things we read in the Torah and the Bible about God instructing Israel to wipe out people completely and eradicate humanity from particular areas, God is God. And he knows sometimes that there is not enough light that you could shine in particular areas. And they just have to go. And sometimes we have to go. Because there is a time, and secondly, maybe more palatable than, you know, God telling people to wipe everyone out. One must always be thinking of, and this is a tough thing, but one must always be thinking of the greater good. We just spent this whole, well, not whole, a couple of weeks in this little mini-series exploring true greatness. And what was it all about? It was about one word, diminution, diminishing oneself considering the greater good. But this idea, this idea is found in Abram's answer to this call. It applies to us today. It is never enough. It is never enough to say, well, the world's going to hell in a handbasket, but you know what? I'm holy. I'm doing good. Look how religious and wonderful I am. It does. Stay away from me. I'm doing good. That's right. It's, it's okay. There needs to be lights. There needs to be righteousness. There needs to be tzaddikim, righteous people. But no one, I assure you, no one will ever find your purpose and calling in this world focused inward. And I don't think there's one person in here who is. I know everyone. But that's a certainty. And just secluding yourself and saying, I'm doing good, It is no measure of one's health to be healthy in a sick society. Sometimes you got to get out, but all the time you got to work on changing, which brings us to Viktor Frankl. It did not really matter what we expected from life, but rather what life expected from us. You know who Viktor Frankl is? I know Irvin does. Viktor Emil Frankl, March 1905, born. Austrian neurologist, psychiatrist, philosopher. He was not smart. It's a joke. Neurologist, psychiatrist, you get it? Philosopher, he's smart. He was the founder of Logotherapy, a school of psychotherapy which describes a search for a life meaning as the central human motivation. It's very, very powerful stuff, and that's important. That's important. But to understand the context of that quote... Number two, from Viktor Frankl, you need to understand the other part of who Viktor Frankl is. He is a Holocaust survivor. His father was killed in Theresienstadt. His mother was killed in Auschwitz. His wife was killed in Bergen-Belsen. And most of his family wiped out in the Holocaust. And he wrote a book that is required reading, required reading for your life. If you have never read Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, get it tonight, read it tomorrow. It is required. His life was a living hell, and yet this is what he said within the camps, not later, within the camps. He looked around and said this, 
His life mission was realized as he determined to help others survive the experience. And I like to substitute the word God here sometimes for life. It did not really matter what we expected from God, but rather what God expected from us. And that, my friends, is a hard bit of understanding what a calling is. But it was Viktor Frankl's realization. It was Avram's realization in Lech Lecha, in this first test, and certainly in the last and tenth test, which you know what that one was, right? The Akedah, the binding of Isaac, where God said, take your son, your only son, and go up here and kill him. And it was Yeshua's statement in life's most difficult time, in his most difficult hour of living out his calling. Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. It doesn't matter what we expect from God. It's okay to expect things from God, and you should. But the real truth of it for someone who has a calling and a dedicated life of serving God is what does God expect from us? And I don't like to put a heavy like yoke and burden on you, but that's the reality of it. And it's the hard part. And you know, all of those things, it's, it's our calling too, and that's not really easy. Anyone ever heard of the, um, the uh, what's the, the, the Stockdale Paradox. William Stockdale. James Stockdale. James William Stock. William James Stockdale. He was Ross Perot's vice presidential candidate in 96 or whenever that was. But long before that, he was a POW in Vietnam. And he also went through an absolute living hell, as you might imagine. And he was being interviewed after he had been released. He was in horrible shape, but he got better. And he was being interviewed on some news program. And they said, who didn't make it out? You, you survived. How? And they explained, and he said, but who didn't make it out? And Stockdale said, that's easy, the optimists. Which for me, as a 100% pessimist, I was like, yes, you tell. No, just kidding. <laughs> Who didn't make it out? That's easy. The optimists. Why? Because they said, by Christmas, we'll be out of here. And it didn't come. By Easter, we'll be out of here. And it didn't come. And what they were confident in their ungrounded optimism was that they would be delivered and they never were. And this is something important to realize for us in our calling. There is a realistic expectation of what calling and life as a disciple will be like, and there is a romantic one. And the romantic one will kill your calling. That is why Yeshua said to his disciples, life, I was going to say it, I was about to say it, I'm not allowed to say that word. Life stinks. Life can really stink, but guess what? We win in the end. So a calling requires the expectation that you are going to face extreme difficulty in it. Is that encouraging? Does that make you want to? Hallelujah! 
remember, they didn't make it out of the Hanoi Hilton. So be realistic. And Abraham was. Although we read in the Torah portion today, he, they're going through Egypt and he says, Sarah, tell them you're my sister. Right? We all have, we, even, even Avraham Avinu, and there's so much commentary on what Abraham was actually doing and what that, we're not going to get into that. That's a different thing. When we walk in our calling, be prepared in that difficulty. Frankel, life ultimately means, here's his quote, life ultimately means taking responsibility to find the right answer to its problems and to fulfill the tasks which life constantly sets for each individual. There is no thing No such thing as a disciple who gets to sit back and say, can't wait for heaven, Jesus. (laughs) There's work to be done. And it will be difficult. And it will be worth it. To waste our lives dreaming of, you know, the next thing or worse yet, worse yet, floundering at the foot of the cross and saying, oh, I'm such a despicable sinner. Thank you. There's a place for that. Occasionally, to really understand what you've been delivered from, more importantly, delivered to and for what? That was Frankel's opinion. To change the world. And when you can sit in a concentration camp and recognize that your purpose on earth, more than to survive for you, is to help others survive, you are getting a taste of a heavenly calling. Again, does that make you want to say hallelujah? Probably not, but it's okay. Let's be the best we can be. Which leads to our last point of pursuing a life well lived. The actual calling. William Damon, wisdom from a book called Noble Purpose, where he tells us the idea of a calling is an ancient notion with religious roots. Yes, like Lech Lecha. It goes way back. It's real ancient. Abraham got a calling. Adam sort of had a calling, but he blew that by, well, in a few hours. Abraham on the other hand, had a legitimate calling, a real example of accepting a calling. An individual has three realities, their own God-given abilities, the world's need for their abilities, their enjoyment in serving society and God with their abilities. That's what a calling is. Much like any noble purpose, a calling is both meaningful to the self Yes, it's okay to be happy about what you do. Meaningful to the self and to the world beyond the self. Christian theologian, Frederick Buchner. The kind of work God usually calls you to do is the kind of work that you most need to do and that the world most needs to have done. You understand Abraham's calling, right? I'll tell you about it real quick. But the place that God calls you is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Has everyone found that place? Abraham heard that call, but what is a call? In the most literal sense, it's, hey, Kelly, 
In the most literal sense, it's your name, Vikarata et Shemo, and you shall call him Yeshua. But Yeshua is an appellation. It's a name. That's not a Jewish explanation of a name. A name is so much more. Vayikra Shemo, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor. What does that mean? It's not just the name, David, Peggy, Linda. It's your attributes. It's who you are. It's your descriptor. It's your virtues. It's everything about you. That's what a name is. So, Proverbs 22 says, A good name is to be more desired than great wealth. Favor is better than silver and gold. Does that mean that every five years I should change my name into the most popular name of the time because that, you know, that's better than being rich? Of course not. It means your reputation and a good one is far more valuable than wealth. A name reflects your calling, to hear the name which God has called you. When you answer a true, a true calling, something miraculous happens. You know what it is? You find out what your real name is. You find out what your real name is. The name that defines who you were created to be. The name of the purpose in your life. Not a happy life, but a life of joy. And there is a difference. I love the way Rashi puts this. Listen. Avram had no son, but Abraham had a son. Sarai, Sarai shall not give birth, but Sarah shall give birth. It is a transfer of identity in their name. Avram and Sarai were never going to have the fullness of life, whether it was where they lived or whatever. That was not their calling, not Avram. Which, interestingly, what does Avram mean, which is what he was named? Who can tell me what Avram means? Great father. Great father. Remember what we talked about last week? That is greatness with singularity. Avram, great father. And what was his name changed to? Avraham. What does that mean? Father of the multitudes. His taking up of the calling was for the move beyond great father to the father of many. And making a way in the world, ultimately being the, 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 the top level of Yeshua's lineage. Avram to Avraham his own God-given abilities. He desired above all to be a father. And in the response to the, to the calling of God, he got more than he ever asked for, didn't he? In a miraculous way. But there's this one problem. You have to, you have to be listening to hear that. You have to be willing to trust the Midrash Tanhuma asked this question about Abraham's trial. Is there a man who travels without knowing to what destination he travels? Like, no, silly, dum-dum, absurdity at every step. But my goodness, man, think about the calling. Think about the calling of a disciple of Yeshua, and I'll tell you what it looks like. You ready? Simple. 
Now as Yeshua was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. You have to be listening, and you have to be ready, and I guarantee you, I guarantee you, they did not wake up that morning and say, hmm, I think today is the day when I'm going to leave my entire livelihood behind, everything that pays for and supports my family, and my boat, and my father, hmm, I think on a whim I'll just up and leave all that and go some some crazy pursuit. They didn't say that. They had a connected calling with the words of God that brought them into that realization. That was their apparent life trajectory. Fishermen, daddy's boys with their nets. And Yeshua called and said, I got a better way. And they were like, boop, let's go. And you know what they got? They got a new name. Call me by a new name. Peter became Kepha the rock. James and John, for goodness sakes, they became the sons of thunder. Who doesn't want to be that? They got new names walking in their callings, like Avram and Sarai, who affected the world and isn't this a picture of our life, though, sadly? We have, we, have, we have a destination in our mind, a way our lives are going to work out, what we're going to do. And truth is, some people do that. I always hated them. The people who told me in high school, I'm going to be a neurologist. And I said, yeah, right. I'm going to be a vet. No, I'm going to be a doctor. No, I mean, I never knew. I'm going to be a neurologist, they told me. Yeah, right. I'm struggling through school, and I'm ca- calling them. He's like, well, I'm going to finish in three years uh, at college, and I'm going to go uh, early into med school. I'm going to be a neurologist. Oh, geez, man, come on. Talk to him 10 years later. How are you? Good. I'm a neurologist. I have a great practice. I'm re- I mean, you hate those people sometimes when you're wandering around going, okay, what's next? Let's try that. How about um, underwater basket weaving? <laughs> But, but I think that's the exception. We, we, we don't hate them. We admire them for that diligence and that dedication. But you know what? You have the very same ability at any time you choose to have it. That's an amazing thing. That's an amazing thing. But most people don't. Most of us have our fishing boat, our nets, our father, our comfort. And that's the way we're going to walk out the rest of our days. And I'm reminded every year at this Torah portion. Listen, I'm not telling you to get a big red nose, paint your face, and go join the circus. I'm not telling you to sell everything and go buy an emu farm. I'm not telling you to do weird things. I'm telling you to listen. I'm telling you to hear. As they say in the weird worlds, listen to the universe. We know the universe. It's God, and he calls people every day to do amazing things. Abram was 75. So, 
you know, there's that. I'm telling you to look and listen and keep this question in mind, this statement from Viktor Frankl. It didn't really matter what we expected from God, but rather what God expected from us. Because the last part of living your calling is the enjoyment you get out of it in serving society and serving God. Taking your needs, your skills, plus my skills. In the, no, your needs and the world's needs come together in your calling. <coughs> Rabbi, listen, I love you, man, but this is the most cliche thing I've ever heard in my life. Calling, come on. Have you found yours? <coughs> Are you doing the great and unbelievable thing? Are you working toward finding out your real name? to knowing who God called you from the beginning to be? I say we start. I say we do that today. After you read Man's Search for Meaning, then you get, no. This is it. How many are where you thought you would be? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Abram heard the voice of God and became someone else. Peter, James, John, all of them, they heard the voice of God and became someone else. Not that who you are is bad. Who you are is great and excellent. And God loves you just like that. But he did indeed create you for great, great things. We've already defined greatness. Now it's time to be great. Lech lecha. It means go to you, literally. Listen to that. <coughs> Listen to that. Literally, go to you. That is incredible, and I didn't even get it until the very end of this preparation. Go to you. That's what Abram did. Lech lecha, Avram, go to you. Go to the real you. Become you that I made you to be. Become you. Answer the call. Learn your real name. And I am confident, my friends, no matter where you are in life, maybe you are exactly where you want to be. That's not very common. It's also not always that exciting. Or maybe you're a long way from there. <coughs> This is the simple instruction. Listen. And lech lecha. Go to you. Shabbat shalom.